goodness, my goodness. I'm, y'all, hey, I, I, say, I say y'all a lot, and I am from the South. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit about my story, but y'all, my heart is full. Uh, when we pulled up in the parking lot this morning, and I've got notes, but that, you throw that out the door almost. I, I came to hear what I'm going to say because I've got no idea. Um, I've got notes because it's a dangerous thing when a pastor does not have notes and, and uh, does not stick to them, and I'm making a uh, duly note on the clock right now. Uh, but I'm so grateful. Uh, pastor Dallas and Pastor Holly have been so gracious to us. Uh, we did meet at Pastors University, and there was just something special about that group. Uh, when you get in um, a, a very closed setting with Pastor Larry Stockstill, it's incredible. Uh, he, the impartation that he did in our life was absolutely unbelievable. It was a great four months. And, uh, but let me tell you about your pastor. Uh, when I walked in the door the very first morning, the first people I saw was Pastor Dallas and Holly, and they're, they're meeting everybody. I thought, who is that? Is that one of the hosts or what? Uh, and I, I just kind of looked at him for a minute, and it's a room of leaders, y'all. But how, how many of you know the leader will truly stand out, even in a group of leaders? And that's your pastor. Uh, come on. Yeah, and brother, I honor you and Holly for the way you love people, for the way you connect, and immediately I knew this guy is a connector. He's a pastor's pastor. Our hearts were just knit together, not with just each other, but the entire group. It was one of the best four months I've spent in a long time, and again, it was four days uh, each month for four months straight. Uh, but he's in the room connecting with people, loving on people. Uh, we'd get a text about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The class got out at 4. We'd get a text at 3. He's already got dinner plans laid on, and he's telling everyone where to be for dinner. And we would go out, and we had the best time. And how many of you know pastors need that? They need people that, that are in a similar situation that they can just share their lives with. And uh, this, I'm telling you, your pastors, you already know this. They're the real deal. And I honor you, and I honor you for your 25 years of service to the ministry. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they love you, bro. Well, let, let me tell you this, and here's the other thing. You can tell when you have a good pastor the way that he talks about his people, and he has talked about you guys from day one, and since we've been here in Cincinnati, it's really all he's talked about is the church, the neighborhood, uh, the vision that he has for you, and he told me, he said, you are going to love the church. And when we pulled up this morning, we served in an assembly of God in Louisiana for several years. And I'm going to tell you about a parachute accident I had uh, in a moment. That's my story. Parachute did not open. How many of you know that's a bad day? That's a bad day. Uh, but we were in Louisiana at the time 
served at a small Assembly of God church, and the structure of it looked a lot like this one, and it was in a neighborhood very similar to this. And so when we pulled up, I just smiled at my wife, and I'm like, man, we're home. Matter of fact, my wife, Lisa, is with me. I love you, sweetie. Thank you for coming uh, with me. Our daughter uh, is 16 years old. We have one daughter, and uh, she just got back last night from a mission trip in Peru, or she would be with us, uh, but she's at home at our home church this morning, and uh, hopefully we get a chance to come back. We'll bring her. But let me tell you what happened. I told Lisa, I said, wow, I feel like I'm back in Louisiana, and uh, you gr- where's Tracy at? Is he still in here, or is he out? Where are you at? There he is right there. First guy I saw, and here's your church. The first impression, y'all, you can't go back. You know this. The first impression is the lasting impression. We pulled in the parking lot. Tracy saw our car, and he starts walking toward us. He doesn't know who's in the car, whether it's a guest, whether it's the guest speaker. He does not know, starts walking toward the car, and he's waiting outside my door when I stepped out. And he said, good morning. We're so glad you're here. And I'm like, are we in the south or are we in Cincinnati? <laughs> and what? So, Tracy, way to go, bro. You represent... You represent your church family so well and your pastor. And so it's just obvious to see um, why Dallas and Holly are are just so excited about Cincinnati, about your church. And we've fallen in love with your city. I've traveled all over the world, but I've only been to Cincinnati once. And I was just here for a quick business trip, so I've never really seen the city. And so we got to see a little bit of it uh, this week. I am a lifelong Reds fan. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. So they took me to a Reds game Friday night, and it was awesome. Uh, Yeah, that was a tough one, and uh, they wound up pulling that one out in extra innings. And uh, y'all, I was like a kid in a candy store, because I go back to Joe Morgan, Pete Rose. uh, I thought the Reds had knocked it out of the park when they got Tom Seaver. Uh, I remember in college, I had a big poster of Tom Seaver as a Cincinnati Red. He started as a Met, I think, but he wound up at Cincinnati. So anyway, we didn't come to talk about baseball. (laughs) Enough about that. I will tell you this, though. I do try to relate to people. um, And you'll hear my story in a second um, about the parachute accident because it is my testimony and I'm so grateful that God gave it to me. And, uh, but I'm a pastor, so I am going to give you a quick message. I want to show you some things out of Scripture this morning. Because if I don't point to Jesus, uh, we have missed the boat this morning. Uh, and I love that already about your church. That last song, nothing but the blood. That covers us. And he paid the bill in full. And um, so anyway, my background, you don't need to know a lot about it. But I am from the South. Um, I was born in, true story, y'all, I was born in Tennessee, I was raised in Arkansas, I have a degree from Louisiana State University, I married a girl that was born in Mississippi, she was raised in Georgia, we live in Alabama, we own property in Florida, I'm from the South. (laughs) We got it covered. Now here's the wild thing, my roots go back to the Ohio River Valley. 
My great-great-grandparents lived just a little bit north of Louisville. They got on a barge, went down the Ohio River to the Mississippi River to the St. Francis River, and then wound up settling in Cross County, Arkansas. Some of them stayed. Obviously, my relatives, some of them didn't like it, and they came back to Kentucky. Uh, but I do have roots in this area, and so I've always loved it. I retired at Fort Knox, just down the road outside of Louisville, and I uh, loved that area, and uh, just grateful to spend some time in Cincinnati, and love your heart. And so, um, our verse this morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And let me say this, too, before I actually start. I love the way you've done the service this morning. We celebrate Independence Day. It's a big deal. Uh, Tom, you did a great job talking about the meaning of it. And there's so many of you veterans that have served. Thank you so much for what you've done. We honor you. Um, but I feel as a pastor, I've always got to remind, because I just need to remind us of this. We celebrate Independence it is a big deal. We're a free country, and don't ever let anybody tell you this is an evil country. It's not. It's a good country. Do we have flaws? You better believe it. But people are still beating the door down to get here, and there's a reason, because we provide more freedom, more opportunity than any country in the world, and we celebrate that independence. But it comes with a dependence on the God of the universe. And I never, ever want to forget that. And I think you've done a fantastic job this morning putting those two together because they are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. We're an independent, free people. Thank God for it. I'm so glad that he assigned my boundaries. Paul says that in Acts. He, God assigns people's boundaries, and I'm so glad that I got assigned my boundary in this country, but I owe that on the dependence of an ultimate, uh, just universal creator uh, that loves us, is for us, and I'm just excited to be here with you this morning. So here we go. Um, here's the verse out of 2 Timothy you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. I lead a weekly small group called Reliable Men. We need reliable, trustworthy men and women in our churches, our communities, everywhere we go. And that's part of what we're talking about today. But here's the rest of the verse. And I want to talk to veterans specifically in this part of the message. Then I'm going to get to my testimony. Um, but this all, don't miss this. This applies to veterans, but this can also apply to whatever your station in life is, whatever your role is. If you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a worker, if you're employed by someone, Check this verse out. It said, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Sometimes people ask me the question, they're like, we don't get it. You spent 22 years as an active duty army officer, and here you are as a pastor. How does that go together? I'm like, well, I just read it to you. Be a good, now in the South, y'all would just say, that this is what I'm kind of learning about Cincinnati and the Midwest. 
y'all would just say, well, read your Bible. Well, in the South, we just go, well, bless your heart. <laughs> but, but it says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civil, civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Who's the ultimate commanding officer? Jesus. And so Jesus modeled, make no mistake about it, Jesus modeled being a good soldier for us. Regardless of what service you're in, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, veterans, Jesus modeled it for us. And there's three things as a veteran you can take from this. We honor you for the hardships that you endured. We honor you for your dedicated selfless service to your fellow soldiers, veterans, and to the citizens of this country. And we honor you for your willingness to submit yourself to authority, God-ordained authority. And you did that at the expense of personal agendas, uh, things that you wanted to do, but you put that aside for the greater good and you served. As I think about soldiers and I think about the shared experiences and the common values uh, that we all hold dear, we understand the cost of freedom, the sheer willpower and the discipline that it takes to do hard things. It takes discipline to charge into combat. It takes discipline to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. It, believe me, it takes discipline to do that. It takes discipline to spend all night on a patrol, either in a mountainous terrain or in the swamps when you're in a river with the water up to your neck. And you know you're going to be in it until daylight, until you can find your way out. Some of you have been there. I have been there. It takes discipline to do that. It takes discipline to follow orders. It takes discipline to go hungry. It takes discipline to run five miles when you don't feel like walking five feet. It takes discipline to get up at five o'clock every morning for physical training, week after week, month after month, year after year. It takes discipline. Y'all, I didn't even know five o'clock came around twice a day till I joined the Army. <laughs> it takes discipline to do hard things. And some people aren't willing to do it because the cost is high. It is high. It takes discipline to stand at the foot of a grave like I have at Arlington or at one of our national cemeteries, and you have a buddy that's there. It takes discipline to stand there because you're wondering, why is he there and I still get to be here? And you wonder, was it worth it? Well, let me tell you, it's worth it. And there's an example in that, and we're going to talk about it today. For all these reasons and more, it takes discipline to be a good soldier. And just like the verse we read in Timothy, it takes discipline to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. Now, I'm going to tell you three things that I get out of Scripture before we go to my testimony. And, yeah, I'm looking at that clock. All right. Take my time. Y'all, that's something else. Your pastor, basically, he told me, you can take the gloves off. He said, you can make them laugh. You can make them cry. You can hit them a little bit hard. They can take it. And uh, so I honor you for that, too, for allowing me. Uh, that, that's a sign of trust 
that a pastor allows another pastor to come in and minister to his people. And brother, I want you to know, I know I told you this last night at dinner, but I'm telling you again in front of you people, I honor you for trusting me to come in and minister your, to your people. And I do not take that lightly, y'all. Uh, again, your pastor loves you so much. But here's what I'm trying to say. Military service and what Jesus did, what he modeled, it wasn't convenient, it wasn't comfortable, and it was not cheap. Let me say that again. It wasn't convenient, it wasn't comfortable, and it was not cheap. Now, think about all, I could go over that so much, but think about um, when it wasn't convenient for you. Think about the for those of you that served. You might have missed a wedding. You may have missed the first words of a child. You may have missed a birthday, an anniversary. You missed a lot of things. It just wasn't convenient. Think about the times that it wasn't comfortable. I've spent some of the coldest nights in my life on active duty, and it was so cold, there is no amount of coffee that's going to get that bone-chilling cold out of you. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about in Cincinnati. You don't have to be the military to figure that one out. Sometimes it can be cold and miserable. It's just not comfortable. And then it comes at a cost. Again, when you stand at the grave of a friend, you recognize Nothing in this world of value is cheap. And in this country, the freedoms that we have, it doesn't come cheap. So the, here's an example I use, y'all. I should have brought a coffee mug up here. But imagine this. I have an imagination, and I think um, about conversations that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have in heaven. Y'all go with me for a minute. Now, this is not in your Bible. This is not theological. And if you have a problem with this example, call 1-800-DALLAS. Okay? <laughs> but y'all imagine this. At the beginning of time before the foundation of the world, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are sitting in heaven. And I don't know what it's like up there, but I do like to imagine. Do they even have coffee? Do they have breakfast? I'm a breakfast freak. Imagine this. The three of them are sitting there, and they're sipping their favorite coffee. They're sitting on the shore, sitting on the beach at the Crystal Sea. You can look over the horizon. There's the pearly gates, and they're just talking about plans. And God the Father looks at Jesus and says, uh, hey, I got this plan. I'm going to create the heaven and earth, and I'm going to create man and woman in our image, and we're going to put them on the earth as our ambassadors, and they're going to mess it up big time. And son, this is where you become the key player. Can you get the visual? I just imagine Jesus sitting there with his cup of coffee, and if it had been me, y'all, I would have spit my coffee out at that moment as God starts laying the plan out. I wasn't there. I doubt it happened that way, but if it did I can imagine the response of Jesus. He would have responded just like he did when he came to earth. And here's what he would have said. Not my will, but your will be done. And he took another sip of coffee, and they went on with the morning. Can you imagine that? Okay. That's a Savior. What's my point in that? That's a Savior that understands everything that you've ever done. Every sacrifice you've ever made. Again, mothers, fathers, co-workers, 
every sacrifice you've ever made, every inconvenience you've ever been through, every discomfort you've ever been through, he understands. But here's the cool thing. You can kind of understand him a little bit more because he's done all of those things, and he was the ultimate example. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture, and then I'm going to go to my testimony, okay? Three Scriptures I want to share with you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I think we've got that on the screen. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Everybody say endured, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What's the first life lesson that we can gain from that verse? When we decide in advance to persevere and endure, it helps us embrace the inconvenience. It guards our hearts, and it protects our minds. And it's going to help us to not grow weary, and we won't lose heart. I'm encouraged by that verse. And again, I'm talking to veterans, but I'm talking to all of us. We need to make a decision in advance. We're going to endure, and we're going to persevere. Whatever culture brings, whatever the world brings, I've decided I am in with the gospel. I'm in with Jesus, and I know you are, okay? Now, here's the second one. You can go ahead and clap. Now, in Matthew 20, here's another verse, and I'm talking about how Jesus exemplifies what a soldier is. Some people get the wrong idea, by the way. They, Israel, they were looking for Jesus to come back as a warrior king. Oh, he is going to come back as a warrior king. Read Revelation chapter 19. You want to go to battle? You want to go to war? Jesus is going to come back in Revelation 19 as a victorious warrior. But before you can go to war, before you can go to battle, you're going to have to decide. I'm going to have to endure. I'm going to have to persevere. And then here's the second thing in Matthew. Just, and this is Jesus talking, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is modeling something for us, y'all. And here's the second point. When we decide in advance to serve and give, it helps us embrace the disappointment because not everybody is going to reciprocate the way that's a fancy word from a boy from Arkansas. <laughs> Reciprocate. What does that mean? Give back. Not everybody's going to give back, serve like we do. Do it anyway. Give and serve anyway. Make a decision. And I know you have because I can tell that the minute you drive up on the property. This is a congregation that has decided we're going to give back. We're going to serve our community. We're going to be an example of the grace and the love and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Serve and give anyway and do it in advance. Okay? Here's the third thing, Luke twenty two forty two. I just referenced this. Jesus said in the garden, y'all know this story. He knows it's about to be brutal. It's about to be violent. It's about to be extremely painful. But yet he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours be done. 
You can study that text any way you want to, but you got to come to one conclusion, and that's it. Here's the life lesson. When we decide in advance to submit to the God-ordained authority in our life, it helps us to embrace the cost because there's going to be a cost, y'all, and we already know it, but we're willing to pay it. When I joined the military, Tom, you did a great job just talking about what it means to you. When I went to combat for the first time, I made a decision. I was 31 years old in combat. I was a commander, and I made the decision. You know what? My 31, I didn't want to die, but I thought to myself, the 31 years I've had in this country as a free citizen are better than 80 or 90 anyplace else. And if I have to give my life at this moment, I am totally willing to do it for the benefit of others. You, you, you come to that place, and I've come to that place about the gospel. I wasn't always that way about the gospel, but I'm going to share that story in a moment. I got to the place, I don't care what the cost is, and if it includes my life, I'm going to follow the example of my Savior, and I'm going to pay full price, okay? Submit, sometimes we don't like that word. Let me break that down for you real quick. There's a Greek word for that, and it is hupotoso. That's a fancy word, but here's what it means. If you study it, some people think submit, that it just means you're subject to that somebody's imposing their will on you. That's not what it means. It means yielded. You voluntarily yield to another human being, to the God-ordained authority in your life. And that's the point I came to. And Jesus modeled it. He yielded his own will to the Father. I'm going to follow that example, and I am going to yield. He's not forcing it on me. Some people think that's what being a soldier is. Well, they just force everything. No, no, no. We voluntarily submit our will to a greater authority, and that applies to veterans, and it applies to you as a veteran in the army of Jesus Christ. We willingly yield ourselves to God and His Word, and it is so powerful. We're paying full price. I called this message, paying full price in a flash sale world. Everybody wants a discount. Y'all think about it. It's a retail world. We want a discount on everything. We want to negotiate everything. We want to feel like we got the best deal. There's retail box stores, Costco, Sam's, whatever. There's uh, th these discount stores that have sprung up all over the place. I don't even know what they have. It, but Second and Charles, uh, Ollie's. Y'all got those in Cincinnati? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody's looking for the best price. That if we're not careful, that becomes a cookie-cutter mentality, and we want a discount on everything. I don't want a discount on Christianity. I've got a Savior that paid a full price for me, and I don't want a discount. I'm not looking for a discount. I want to pay full price just like he did for me. That's a good place to clap for a full-price Savior. Here's why that matters, and then I'm going to go to my testimony. People are especially, surveys show, y'all, people are especially interested in forgiveness, in hope, in inner peace and spiritual growth. That's a recent Barna survey that came out. And with that survey, here's the kicker. People are open to Jesus. 
He has a positive image in most people's life. Matter of fact, 71% of Americans are open to a conversation about Jesus. Here's the bad news. When you ask them about the church, it's 47%. Only 47% have a positive image of the church. Well, what does that tell me? They're open to Jesus. Well, they're not so much open to us. Well, how are we going to fix that? We're going to model for them what Jesus modeled for us. And it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be comfortable. And it's not going to be cheap. Okay? But He did it for us. Let's do it for them. And I'm determined, and I know your pastor is, and I can tell your heart from the minute we walked in the door, you have a heart for your community. So let's bump that percentage up. And I don't, surveys are surveys, y'all. They're just there for information. But they can give us some insight into what people are thinking. And so when I saw those numbers, I just looked at myself. I'm not talking to y'all right now. I'm talking to me. I'm like, Rex, if they got a 70%, 71% positive image of Jesus, but a 47% image of you, you got some work to do. So I'm telling you, I got some work to do because I want to model Jesus for them in a life-giving way that'll attract them to the gospel, but where they want to submit, not to where they feel subject and pressed down by the gospel, but they feel yielded and they want to do it because God did something for them. Can I get an amen? Okay. All right. We got about... He, that, how many of y'all know that's dangerous right there? That pastor just told another pastor, you got plenty of time. All right, let, let me tell you my testimony, and I'm going to try to do this without notes. Uh, but here's what happened in my life. Again, remember, we want to point people toward Jesus. We want to point people to the gospel. And I hope those uh, three lessons helped you this morning in, in what Christianity is. Because again, I think we do people a disservice. When we start talking about discounts and cut rate and wholesale, that gets in people's spirit and it gets in their mind. We're not talking about discount and cut rates and wholesale. Christianity is a 100% all-in deal with a Savior that paid the full price for us with that last worship song that we talked about, or that we sang, the words, that's so powerful. Okay, y'all want to hear about the parachute not opening? It was so painful. Yeah, it broke me up bad. But let me tell you the background on the story. There's four pieces to this, and I'll go really, really quick. Um, and, and I, I did this recently. I told Pastor Dallas somebody invited me on a podcast, and I thought, man, I'd never been on one. And I thought, you really need to prepare for that and, and be really structured and organized. And I came up with it on the way to the podcast. You need to break your story into four pieces. So everybody say four. four. Here we go. Part one, trauma and tragedy. My life started off very difficult, y'all. And uh, this is where you might go, mm, this is hard. It is hard. Um, I was born to a single mother in Memphis, Tennessee. We lived across the street from Elvis, y'all. No kidding. <laughs> lived across the street from Graceland. One problem with that. Elvis's side of the street and Graceland was a whole lot different than my side of the street. We were living in a trailer park. We were living in poverty. My mom was doing the best she could. 
my biological dad left her before I was born. I hated him for years for that. Had to get freedom from that. Pastor Dallas and I were sharing a little bit about that last night. Don't hold on to anger, y'all. It, it, it'll burn you from the inside out. But I hated him so bad. Uh, for leaving us and especially leaving her because it's a bad news story. Uh, at five years old, we moved in with my grandparents because she just couldn't make ends meet. And so the three adults that I lived with once we moved in the house uh, from five, six, and seven, all three of those adults died in two years. Uh, my grandmother uh, was killed in a head-on car wreck uh, the first year that we moved in the house. The next year, my grandfather dropped dead in the house of a heart attack. And then the next year, my mother died of colon cancer. So the three adults that I lived with, and you, you, know, you can use different examples. You could say that some people use, hey, the cards you got dealt. Well, if we go with that example, I got dealt some bad cards, y'all, uh, right off the bat. And it was tough. And, uh, you know, I look back on it, and I'm like, God is so good. He is so good. But the day of my mother's funeral, I remember they sent me to a distant relative's house because they felt like I had been traumatized enough, and, and they just didn't see the point in me going to the funeral. And I thought, that sounds good to me, whatever. Seven years old, everybody I knew was dead. And I remember standing at the window, y'all, and it was a rainy, dreary December day, and the rain was just pouring down and dripping down the window. I'll never forget it. And uh, I just thought, well, what now? What's next? I mean, I was just numb. Um, I was dumbfounded. I thought, man, life, if this is what life is, this is hard. And uh, I really was wondering what's next. Now, that's bad, y'all. But look at your neighbor and say, well, what next? It's a good time for Jesus to show up, right? Well, here's what happened for me. Recovery. Because when you go through trauma uh, that kind of extreme trauma, you got to go through some healing and some recovery. God knew exactly what I needed. My grandmother's baby sister was not much older than my mother. Let me say that again. My grandmother's baby sister, my great aunt, was not much older than my biological mother. She adopted me, her and her husband, and they took me to a small farming community in Arkansas. Everybody say, Go Hogs. <laughs> There's a lot of tigers, there's a lot of lions, there's a lot of bears, but there's only one Razorback. Um, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, they took me to a small farming community in Arkansas, and y'all, that's where the story began to change. They gave me everything that I'd never had. They gave me... They gave me a safe place to live. They gave me a secure place to live. They gave me stability, y'all. And that's what the gospel brings. You put your trust in Jesus, you're going to get stability. It's not going to be perfect, but you're going to get stability. Well, that family, my new mother and daddy that raised me, they gave me a stability I had never had. They adopted me, gave me their last name, gave me a home, but they gave me an example of what it is to love Jesus Christ. Again, I, I might as well have been raised by Moses and Miriam, y'all. It, it was, I cannot tell you how unbelievable it was to be raised in this home and have the advantages that they gave me. Um, and I began to figure out this thing about full price. They were a full price couple. 
committed to Jesus in every way. But I didn't trust yet because I thought, well, you're going to leave me just like the other three did. And so I was, I, was, I was like, don't touch me. Don't tell me you love me. Just keep your distance, and maybe this will work out. Well, I've studied. They had no idea, but I studied them. I watched, I watched the way they talked to people. I watched the way they interacted with them, how they talked to each other. I watched the way they worshiped. I watched the way they led their life. And I came to the conclusion, these are full-price people. And God began to heal my heart. Everybody smile. I put your tissues up. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But how many of you know a lot of times when you have um, a healing or recovery, there's a relapse. Sometimes you have a relapse. And that's a Latin word that means actually means backslide. If you talk to the old saints, people talk about people backsliding. Y'all ever heard that term? Okay. I backslid. And some of in a group this large, y'all, there's chances are if you haven't backslidden yourself, you know someone that has. It's just part of the human condition. Israel did it all the time in the Old Testament. That's the story of Israel. They never fully understood God's purpose and his intent and his heart for them, and they would come back to him, and then they would turn away. They'd backslide. They'd have a reversal, and that's exactly what happened to me because as I went off to college, God had a plan for my life. Here's the bad news. So did the devil, okay? And so for two years in college, I did everything I had done as a young Christian man in that phenomenal household that I was raised in. I'd never had alcohol. I'd never been with a lady. I'd never smoked any dope. I'd never done any. And by the way, y'all, things are so different. Young people, I have a heart for you. I got six, a 16-year-old daughter. When, when I grew up, it was three things. Yeah, actually four that you didn't do. Don't drink. Don't chase women. Don't smoke anything. And don't cuss. That, those were the big four. Now there's about 30 things that you guys are faced with. And I empathize with you because it's a long list. But so anyway, I'd never done any of that. I was a pure kid. And so I went to college And the devil told me after two years, he told me the two biggest lies that he ever tells. Hey, look at what they're doing. Here's the two lies. Everybody's doing it, and it's not going to hurt anybody. If you ever hear that voice and those words, let me give you a little pastoral advice this morning. Run. Run the other way. Well, I didn't. I took it hook, line, and sinker because I just was not prepared. It sounded like the truth. It sounded good. I looked around, and it was just an innocent party at the frat house. It's just a bunch of guys and girls. They're just having fun. It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it, and it's not hurting anybody. How many of you know that the devil is slick enough? Here, put just a little bit of truth in his lie to make you think he just told you something totally 100% accurate. I took it hook, line, and sinker. Here's what happened. I started staying at the parties a little bit longer than I should have. I started drinking stuff uh, that I had never drank before. And don't get caught up in the sin here. You know, people start looking at the sin it don't matter what it is. If it keeps you away from God's best for your life, run. Okay? 
but I didn't. And here's a tip with that. Some of y'all think every pastor is perfect. We're not. Some of us have made mistakes, and I did. So I started drinking a few things that I shouldn't have been drinking. And I'm going to put this the southern way, y'all. I started doing married things before I was married. That's Y'all with me? That's the southern way to say that. Um, I think Midwesterners would say I was spending the night in the girls' dorm. Um, I just started doing some stuff. That wasn't me. And I did that for a period. I was a very moral guy. I was a very ethical guy. I was sold out to my country, and I enlisted in the Army as an officer. And it was one of the best decisions of my life. But I was frustrated, y'all, because I knew I was not living God's best. And then here's what happened. Um, Say, then what? Then what? Yeah. Four. We get to four. And I call this phase the resurrection. Here is the tip of the day, y'all. You don't have to wait till you die to have a resurrection. Okay? You can get a resurrection right now. You can get a resurrection today. And that's what I needed. And here's what happened. And I'm going to wrap it up. Jumped out of an aircraft one night on a night jump. And uh, they, the jump masters got off sequence. And they put two of us out opposing doors at the same time. And unfortunately, what happens when, when you, you get off sequence like that is you will hit underneath the aircraft. Well, the, others, the other jumpers parachute fully deployed. Mine didn't. It just came out of what we call the backpack, the tray pack, and it was still folded up, and it just draped over the top of his chute. Unbeknownst to me, I'm just hanging on the side of somebody's chute in the middle of the night, and you jump at about 1,200 feet, and you're dropping roughly 20 feet a second. So you got 60 seconds, do the math, 60 times 20, 1,200. You have about 60 seconds to figure this out. What's wrong? And I'm already panicked, y'all. I'm like, this is not good. I've got canopy all over my face, all over my body. I've got a total malfunction. And your train, pull your reserve. There's a D-handle on a reserve parachute, and it's spring-loaded. So when you pull that D-handle, that secondary parachute goes straight out. I was getting ready. I had no idea that I was hanging on the side of another jumper chute. If I would have pulled that handle, that parachute would have gone straight out. It would have collapsed his chute, and it would have killed us both. And I heard this still, small voice, and I know that voice Till today. And that voice, as I had my hand getting ready to pull it, that voice said, don't do that. Very gentle. And I'm like, all right, this has gone from bad to worse. I'm hanging on the side of a parachute, and now I'm hearing voices. What in the world is happening? But the voice was so strong and so firm, and it was right in here, and I let go of that D-ring. Everything in my training said, do it, pull that reserve. But the voice was so strong, so firm, so in command. I'm like, listen to that voice. Little did I know that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so I let go. Well, long story longer. We're closing, y'all. We got, we got about 200 feet off the ground, and we separated. And because for me fighting, trying to get away from the canopy, I bit by bit slipped off of his parachute. And so the last 150 to 200 feet, I did what's called a burn-in. I just fell. 
for those last, you can equate it, that's 15, 20 stories of a building. That's a bad night, y'all. And so I hit the ground. I was, when the medics got to me and woke me up, they had to slap me around because, I mean, I was totally knocked out cold. And when I came to, I was so bewildered. I thought, I knew I'd fallen a long way. I wasn't sure how long, but I thought, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, yeah, I figured I'd broken every bone in my body. I figured all my organs were busted. I was filling up with blood. I was the most surprised person in the world. And I thought, man, you are an iron man. You, you, you are one tough joker. And you're going to die here within the next 60 seconds. And I can't tell you how much regret. I'm talking about resurrection, y'all. I can't tell you how much regret I was filled with because I knew I had not lived my life to God's best. And I'm not talking about, I had made a decision to go to heaven as a little kid. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about theology. But I will say this. I had met my church truly within my heart. I don't believe I'd ever met Jesus. But I was about to. Because in the hotel room, or in the hospital room, here's the end of the story. What I haven't told you is the year before this happened, we lost a 19-year-old paratrooper. And uh, he burned in all the way the moment he came out of the aircraft, straight down. And so I was thinking about him as I was going down. I thought, they're going to find you just like him. And so when I survived and, you know, they realized that I was going to live and they got me to the hospital, started working on me, doing all the stuff, um, honey, thank you. I'm just, I've got, I got visions of how hard that was for you because they didn't know if I was going to live or not. But in the first 24 hours, I was so mad at God and I was so frustrated with him. And I thought, why does that 19 year old die? And I get to live. And uh, I hit my fist in the bed. I was frustrated at myself, not at God, but I hit my fist in the bed, clenched fist gritted teeth, and I said this question, God, what do you, just like this, y'all, God, what do you want from me? That same voice, when I had my hand around that D-ring, the same voice that said, don't do that, that voice spoke again. And this time when I said, what do you want from me? Same, still, compassionate, firm voice said the following seven words, you, that's all. I just want you. And in that moment, I had a Paul experience, Acts chapter 9. Scales fell off of my eyes, and I was like, how did you miss it? All of these years, you thought it was about doing the right thing, doing the church stuff, doing the religious stuff. Don't cuss. Don't drink. Don't chase ladies. Don't look at them wrong. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it had never dawned on me. Jesus has never asked you to do one single thing. He did something for you. He loves you. You can't separate yourself from his love. And when I heard those words, it was like I have been resurrected. And now I understand I have a full price Savior that died for me. He loves me, and he loves you. Okay? So here's my question this morning. We're going to close. 
I don't know where you are spiritually. I didn't have a chance to meet everyone before we came in. And again, um, you guys have been incredible. But I have to ask you this question. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you don't even know you need to make a decision. Okay? Maybe you've never been told. I hope you have. But you have to make a decision. And it's not convenient. It's not comfortable. It's not cheap. But we have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. That's one set of people I may be talking to. Second set, maybe you were like me. You made a decision maybe a long time ago as a kid, but you've backslidden, and you're away from him, and your relationship is not where it is. So I'm going to ask everybody, just bow your heads. We're not going to embarrass anybody. Not going to embarrass anybody. But if that's you, either one of those circumstances, we're not going to ask you to come forward. We're just going to have somebody come pray with you very quickly, but just slip your hand up real quick. If you're either one of those, you say, hey, I've never made a decision for Jesus. I've never made that decision. Or if you're away from him and you know, hey, that's me. I backslid. I backslid. And I'm away. And I want to come home. Again, just slip your hand up real quick. Slip your hand up real quick. Okay, I see that hand. Way to go. I appreciate your courage. Way to go. I see that one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. If you didn't raise it, but you're thinking it and your heart rate's a little fast, that same voice is talking to you, by the way. And so let me just, you can say this prayer in your heart. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're a full price Savior. I thank you that you paid the bill for me. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short, and today I accept you as my Savior. I come back home to you. I serve you all the days of my life the very best I can. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good. Amen. All right, amen. Okay, if you want prayer, Pastor Dallas, prayer team, myself, we'll be down front. It'd be our honor to pray for you over anything, your family, your kids, your job. It'd be our honor. In Jesus' name, amen.